Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, author, speaker, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I help people learn how to bring more joy into their lives, find meaning each day, and connect with the people they love. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver, but more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. We are so happy to introduce you to Sonnet Simmons and Veronica Freeling, hosts of the Not Your Mother's podcast and co-creators of the parenting and online course, Raising Children You Like with Brianna Kappa, two longtime friends who became new moms at the same time who kept asking the question, why doesn't anyone tell you about motherhood? We're going to start talking about deep self-work and then talk about how that impacts raising kids. Welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so for much having, for having us. So deep self-work. For the listeners that are thinking, what is self-work? Can you start there and talk a little bit about what that even means? Sure. I can hop in. For me, I feel like it's all of a sudden you have a child and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm being triggered in a lot of ways and I need to look at that and, you know, why are all these feelings coming up for me? And I think one of the biggest motivators for starting to look at deep work that you can do is you start noticing that your child is repeating and doing the same things you're doing and you are have this mirror and all of a sudden you're like, well, I need to work on that because I don't want my child to have those same issues or have those same, you know, this is not something I'm trying to pass on. Um, So what do I need to do to work through this? And I I think that's kind of how it looks in the beginning when you when you first start noticing that there's deep work that comes with motherhood or parenthood in general. So you see a behavior or pattern and then you think, where did they get that? And then you think, I know where that came from. (laughs) (laughs) So what would be an example of maybe something that you've seen or someone listening to take note of? Let's see an example. Well, I could just think of something so simple and, but my daughter just started saying, I'm okay. When I ask her, like, would you like eggs or would you like cereal? Would you like eggs? I'm okay. Like, rather than saying, no, thank you, mom. Or, you know, it's just like, I'm okay. Oh, I hate that. My husband does that. So this is his self-work, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> so I have, I have something Shoot. very super, I have something very superficial and it was not necessarily something I was doing or a behavior that I was exhibiting. But back in the day, I'm going to say Emma, my daughter, who is now 20, she was probably about 12 months old when this happened. My nephew was visiting and we were playing some like Mortal Kombat game or something like that on PlayStation. And my daughter was in the room, you know, playing with her toys or whatever. And she started doing like gymnastics and flips and things like that. And I thought it was really cute. My wife came into the living room and was mortified because she wasn't doing gymnastics. She was emulating the fighting moves on the screen. Mm. And she was like doing drop kicks and body slams. And all I could think of is, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that my daughter was such a sponge. Right? I knew that she absorbed everything. But to be honest, that moment 
again, it was such a superficial episode, but I really took a look at how I wanted to exhibit the the behavior that I wanted her to emulate from that point on. Mm-hmm. That's how it starts, right? Like you start for me, like I have a toddler and she, when I was brushing my teeth and she started brushing her teeth at one years old, she would just see how I would do it. And that's when I realized like, oh, wow, like anything that I do, she's taking note of, right? Like she's seeing exactly how I'm doing it and she's going to mirror it. And, you know, COVID has been really hard on my relationship with my husband because all of a sudden we're like co-parenting together and learning how to be 24 seven parents together were like before I was just the primary and I'm a fiery Latina and and can get very passionate when I want something done a certain way. And I have a lot of energy. Right. And so I was talking to him and it wasn't even like a big argument or even a big deal in my eyes. It was just kind of like me trying to get my point across and just elevating in tone and in energy. And she comes in and she did the same thing. She just kind of like rose with me and then was like, you know, like, and then like, it was just like burst. And I like look over at her and I looked over at him and I was like, Oh my God, like this is the prime example of if you don't do the work, this is how she's going to learn how to respond or how to get her point across when she's feeling passionate about something. And granted, she is two years old, so she does already have that, like, learning how to manage or, like, her developmentally appropriate, you know, responses of, like, tantrums and things like that. But, of course, there's, like, elements of that. But, like, I knew right then and there, like, that was my behavior being passed on to her. And so if I don't look at that, how is she ever going to learn how to be regulated? How is she ever going to learn what a healthy argument looks like if I don't do the work? And so the podcast that we've started was to get, as we've grown in our motherhood journey, these are the answers that we try to seek is like, how do we learn how to do the work so we can show up for our children in a way that we want them to, you know, we want to show them how to become responsible global citizens that are respectful, that are kind, that are anti-racist, that are doing their part in their world. But if you're not doing your part, then they're never really going to learn it in the way that you want them to. I love that so much. So Garth and I are a little bit older than you. And as a result, our kids are older. I have an almost 21-year-old and an almost 18-year-old. Garth's daughter is almost 21 also. And when we were raising our kids, people weren't talking about doing the self-work. You know, we were just trying to survive. Right. <laughs> people weren't really talking about all of the cool things that we didn't know about all of the cool things that maybe we know now. And I was recently really thinking about this with my daughters. And I, I just want to bring this up because so I think I shared with you that my mom passed away two weeks after I had my daughter Zoe and raising my daughters and grieving and feeling that loss at the same time definitely impacted my daughters in a way that I didn't realize until recently. And basically, you know, all of the sadness that I've carried throughout the past 21 years, because I hadn't done the work, I hadn't really looked in the mirror and said, okay, Dara, it's time to make peace with your sadness and deal with the grief and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
Instead, what has happened is I have shown my daughters how the loss of my mom negatively impacted me and how that impacted my life. And I'm really grateful that I've realized this now because there's some beautiful conversations that I am having with my daughters because look, one day something's going to happen to me. You know, something's going to happen to all of us, but I don't want them to feel like they have to pattern the way that I dealt with my mom's grief. I would never want that for them. And I didn't realize this really until like, I'm going to say the last three months. So it was kind of an aha thing for me to figure out, but just to kind of share with our listeners that it doesn't matter how old your kids are or, you know, how old you are. Take a look at some of those patterns because I never would have even thought about this 21 years ago. And so Mm -hmm. it's just, we all always have work that we can be doing on ourselves to become the best versions of ourselves today, right? I mean, we're all changing. Life isn't fixed, it's fluid. And so what are some things that you do on a daily basis to show up and be the best versions of yourself? Like how can people start the process of doing the work? Mm -hmm. I could start. So I learned this from this audiobook that I listened to by Tara Moore called Playing Big. And so she basically talks about labeling and naming and giving a persona to your inner critic and your inner mentor. And so basically your inner critic is that person that is, you know, the one telling you that like, you don't know enough, you aren't the expert in this, you know, you're just like your mother, or you're just like your brother, or those critiques that, you know, keep you playing small in life. So I named mine Ragey, Ragey, (laughs) Ragey Rhonda, (laughs) that is that person. So anytime I start feeling or hearing that inner critic, I kind of like, I stop, I breathe and I say like, oh, there she is, you know, telling me that, this is true and it's not. And then when you're trying to be in a space to do something that your inner mentor would do, you think of her as someone, your future self. And so when you embody and you envision your future self, you kind of think like, okay, well, you know, my future self would say this in the situation. My future self would text this in the situation. So I've been guided by those two women to make the decisions that I want that will lead me towards the person that I want to be versus like the person that I've known to be. (laughs) I love that. And, you know, daring greatly, she says, name it to tame it. And that's basically what you're doing is you're, you're naming it. And there's a little bit of, you know, maybe when you start calling it the name, there's maybe a little bit of humor there that kind of relaxes the situation a little bit also. Right. Totally. Because that, and it also detaches you from it. Yeah. You're like, Oh, there, there it is, you know, and once you create a little bit, it's just that there it is, but it's not me. Yeah. I love that. So that's been really helpful. So good. So Garth, you've been doing a lot of inner work lately these days. Yeah. So I would not have labeled it. Like if you had asked me a, a month ago or two months ago, if I was doing this, I would have I would have said, I, I think that you are off your rocker. Well, um, I mean, think that anyway, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, one of the things, and again, for our guests and anybody who's new to the Thrive Podcast, I am currently in my, what is this, ninth year of being a cancer patient. 
and I've had cancer in my body for seven years, I think, at this point. Maybe maybe eight. I can't even It's so long, I can't even remember. Maybe you said demon. Well, okay. I think that's another episode. Okay. <laughs> and so I think you know, for the longest time, as I started the health crisis and as I kind of got to the middle of the health crisis, I really was doing things on my own and didn't necessarily seek out help in all sorts of ways. I didn't necessarily seek out help nutritionally. I didn't seek out help mentally or emotionally. And a couple of years ago, I started seeing a counselor because I felt like I was just really struggling managing everything. So, you know, being a husband, a dad and an employee, the napkin notes, dad, cancer patient, I just had too much on my plate. And two years ago, I was diagnosed with some pretty tough cancers. I had a brain tumor. I had some stuff growing in my lung. And coincidentally, I had a work meeting that conflicted with my counseling appointment. So I canceled and I never went back. Wow. And I, it was one of those things that I... Because I, you didn't want... Not going back, it was intentional because you did not want to deal with all the uncomfortableness that doing inner work can bring up. I was, I had gotten right up to the point where I started to feel comfortable with the counselor. And then I thought to myself, oh, you know what? Now I have to start talking about the stuff <laughs> that I don't want to talk about. And so I'm not going to. And it was very convenient for me to not make any future appointments at that point. And this year I've gone through some similar situations where we're starting to see some new growth and we're not sure if the treatment's working. We're not sure if it's not working. And now I'm stuck at home with COVID and my whole family is here encroaching on my space. Hmm. And, and my work is crazy because I'm on the COVID response team. And I finally called and I said, I know you're not even seeing patients now, but how can we make this happen? Mm. And Fortunately, they and and the other thing was I had actually called, gosh, Dara, you probably remember probably four or five months ago, and my counselor had stopped seeing patients. She was only seeing them two evenings a week. And I did not want to go through vetting another counselor uh, because that was a painful process. Right. Yeah. And so I'm back in counseling. I'm actually telling my counselor things that I've never told anybody before, probably. And so how did you figure out some of those things that you're telling her, though, that you've never maybe even said out loud? Like, how did mm -hmm. you dig deeper to be able to maybe even realize those things about yourself? Oh, I started an angry book. Okay, Amazing. so tell everyone what that is. So, so I have this book. It's it's literally a little black book. Wait, um, is that the thing that you told me to come to your house and get? Yes, yes. If something yes. happens if I, to you. If, if, if something happens to you, you need to come to my house. It is, it's it kind of like, kinda like I'm Gail and you're Oprah. And you said, because <laughs> that's what uh, Oprah said to Gail. She said, if anything happens to me, come to my house and get all my journals. So I'm Gail and I'm yeah. going to come to your house and get all your stuff. <laughs> and so I, I just started writing and every once in a while, and when I say every once in a while, I mean practically every day, I get angry about something. And I recognize that I am angry about my health and I'm angry about the fact that I don't have any control. And so I just started writing and it could be something as simple as like today I'm going to write about how angry I was. I had to take the, the dog to the vet and it's helping me to like, recognize these where I am. It's helping me to recognize that these are not good or bad feelings per se, but they are just feelings and that 
if I write something down that is particularly remarkable, then I can, I feel much more comfortable talking about it with my counselor. Hmm, um, I like that. And, and Dara, I have to tell you, right, like in the very entrance of the book, uh, and it's bookmarked, right? So if somebody opens it, they're going to open to this page and it says, don't read this book. <laughs> it's, it, it's my angry book. <laughs> These are well, dark, you know, ugly thoughts. Do not read this book. Right. Because here's the thing. If you're keeping a journal and you're worried that someone is going to come back behind you and read it, you can't fully do a brain yeah. dump in the journal. Right. And it's like, you know, then you're all worried about what you're writing and your spelling. I mean, it's just, it completely changes the energy. So I promise I will not let you down. And you know, the, 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 really, the really interesting thing is I don't even, I don't have particularly good handwriting, but when I'm writing about my crap, it gets worse. So yeah, your, your emotion is there. so fast. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So an angry journal. And so that's good. Name it to tame it. That's good. What's another tool that maybe Sonnet or Veronica you think will help people try to tap in and do some inner work so that they can learn more about themselves? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think like you kind of hit on this when you were asking him about how he knows, I think awareness, just becoming aware is so is like the turning point when you're understanding like what is triggering me or I'm being triggered in this moment. What can I do to not put that on my child? I think educating yourself around what comes up for you. So if it is something where for me personally, it's like boundaries. I realize I've never been good at putting up boundaries. The only person that it's hurt has been me. Now I'm teaching my child how to not have boundaries or how to have boundaries for the rest of her life. So I need to learn how to, what boundaries mean and how to put them into place and, and how to show that to her because you have to have boundaries when you're a parent, you know, in so many ways. So I think it's educating yourself one like where am i going to learn about this who am i going to go to and how does that show up and so I, I think just becoming aware i think we talk about also a lot in our podcast and in the program that we offer called discipline without yelling and it talks about identifying like what is going on for you how do you regulate yourself and we get so uncomfortable with other people's emotions that we want to like fix our children's emotions and we're not really looking at what's going on for us so what are these triggers and how can you work through them in a healthy way what's making you angry i think the angry book is an amazing amazing tool we were just talking about journaling because it does help you detach just like naming it um and i think it's like it's hard to put specific, this is what you can do to get this. Unless for me, boundaries is what I'm working on. So I have a set of tools for that, but like depend, I think it's just finding the awareness on what it is that's coming up for you and seeing when you're triggered, seeing when you're emotional, seeing what makes you uncomfortable in your child's behavior, what's truth and what's your story and not putting your story on your child. That is so important. Not putting your story on your child or your spouse, or just yeah. anyone that you're close to. And it's hard. And also not judging yourself. Mm. Like Garth, you said, these aren't good feelings or bad feelings. They're just feelings. I think that's what, the way you said it a few minutes ago. But we're so used to naming things. You know, this is a good feeling. This is a good emotion. This is a bad emotion. But just trying to not judge yourself for feeling however you're feeling. 
because when we judge ourselves, I mean, that just takes us to a whole nother level of more self work (laughs) that we need to do. I would be so grateful if you pre-ordered my new book, I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love. As a thank you, there are five free downloadable items that will be immediately sent to your inbox when you fill out the pre-order form at crazyperfectlife.com. Thank you so much. I am incredibly appreciative. I read something really interesting this morning. Not that I was going to try to apply it to my own self, but I was reading an article about parenting and especially parenting young kids and helping them understand about their feelings and help them to navigate through the high or low of the feeling. And there was a teacher who had put like a little three by five cutout on the sides of all of her kids' desks. And it was a stoplight. So there was a red dot, a a yellow dot, and a green dot. And they used that for both feelings and help. So if a student was struggling with what they were working on, but was maybe embarrassed to raise their hand, the student just might touch the red dot on the side of the desk. If they were having a, you know, a really happy moment, they might touch the green dot and it would just help them recognize where they are and where they might need to go. And I thought, gosh, as an adult, wouldn't it be great if I just had like that little stoplight over my head so that not only could I see where I was and recognize it, but maybe everybody else could see that I was in a red dot place and it might not be a good time to have a deep conversation about, (laughs) you know, our future or something. Right. How great would that be? I mean, think about that. If we all just traveled through our lives and other people knew how we were feeling and just the compassion that maybe that could bring to the world. That's pretty cool. Right. And, and that we would know how we were feeling, you know, yeah. it's like so interesting to put, like we do teach our children, like put a name to that feeling and how are you going to work through that emotion? And it's like, wait, we didn't even learn these tools. So it's amazing. Let's all get that stoplight. Where do we order that? (laughs) And it's, you know, especially right now with what's going on, we're all spending so much time together. Like you said, Veronica, I mean, we're all in the house together. We're spending more time with our significant others, our partners, our spouses, and with our kids. And so some of these things we might be more aware of because we're seeing it more than maybe if we were going to take our child to school for, you know, four hours and getting a break. Or I think a lot more is coming up for a lot of people right now. They're being triggered. Because I have to of tell that. you, it's too much. It, <laughs> like I, my family, you know, Emma's been home because of, of college being closed since the middle of March. Lisa was on furlough for like six weeks between March and April. She only works three days a week. I work from home all the time and I feel so encroached and technically my life hasn't changed, right? I still get up and I still go to work in my home office the same way I did in January, but there's no extra outlets. There's no going out. There's no going to the movies. There's no being by myself. I can't go to the library and holy cow, the pressure cooker that uh, I know Dara, you you feel it in your house. I feel it. I don't know what you're talking about, (laughs) Garth. I have no idea what you're even referring to. Your family doesn't listen, right? Yeah, definitely a challenge. And I don't care how old your kids are. I don't care, you know, what stage of life you're in. We're all feeling all of this stuff. And I think a lot of it is because maybe we're being triggered and it's bringing up things that we don't even realize. 
I know I hadn't really given this any thought until I was preparing for this podcast. And then I was thinking like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why we're having that confrontation, because this is triggering me feeling this because I'm thinking, you know, maybe about something that happened when I was a child, but it's just amazing how it's also related. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's now being in the climate that we're in, the self discovery is no longer a luxury, right? Like now you need to figure it out. It's like before when you were in your early twenties or early thirties where you're like, Oh, I'm just going to go meditate and go to this yoga retreat and just figure it out this weekend. And then, but you don't obviously, because you don't have that mirror (laughs) of the child to like bringing it out of you. And like when we transitioned to motherhood in 2018, it was like, Oh, this is the work that I was actually supposed to be doing. But you know, as you were saying, no no matter how old your child is, the outstanding circumstances will always put you in this pressure cooker situation where it's going to show you the work, the continual work that has to be done. And it's always going to change because we're growing and evolving and with change there's work. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I would say to anyone listening, don't be afraid to do the work. Don't be afraid to think about things that are uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to, to go there, to let yourself go there or to, you know, think, okay, maybe I do want to start talking to someone. Maybe I do want a counselor. Maybe I do want to explore different ways that I can get to know myself better because, you know, on the other side of doing the work is just becoming more of more of an authentic person, more of the person that you're comfortable being with and just kind of showing up every day being a better version of yourself. Don't you think? Right. Totally. And also like just starting with gratitude too, right? Like what a luxury to be like, Oh, I get to work on the best version of myself. Like we're not, we're not worried about where food's going to come you know, or a roof over our heads, or if there's wars outside of our house, like we don't have to worry about this stuff. So the fact that you have the opportunity to be able to listen to this interview and have the option to become a better person, that is like, you know, you're already winning. So just take it like, why stop there? I love that you said that because, you know, what I, what I appreciate about that is I, I have another journal with, that's just like my, my regular journal now, which is ideas and thoughts and goals and what I need to do each day. But what does I that one to, say, does that one say, do not read this? No, this, this <laughs> one's public. If you find this on the street, I'm perfectly fine with okay. what I have here, except for the fact that I would be highly embarrassed at the amount of things on my to-do list, which are not crossed off. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I started to do in July as I was kind of recapping my days and and talking about uh, what I needed to do for the next day and whatnot, I started boxing out a little section that said today's gratitude. And I feel like I've, and Dara, you know this, I've always been a very grateful person and I've verbalized that. I haven't made it a daily practice per se, and I certainly haven't written it down. And what's great about writing it down is that I am naming it. I am purposefully remembering it. I'm having to think about, you know, because I'm only writing down three things. So I have to think, okay, what are the three things I really want to be grateful for today? And it ranges from, you know, I listened to a song that I haven't heard since 1987 to, you know, here's, here's one on 728. Dara, she's a good friend. Aww. That is so sweet. 
I feel so honored. I made the gratitude <laughs> list. Yeah, that's amazing. You must well, have, you, I, boy, that must have been a really hard day. You couldn't come up with anything. <laughs> I was, that was my, my neurology day. Oh. Right. So I had so much crap going on and yeah. I still wrote down Dara. Aww. Aww. Sweet. Sure. Well, you know, we, we've been talking about gratitude for such a long time and I don't care what you're dealing with in your life. I mean, traveling through life, counting your blessings instead of your problems is always going to be a good place to start with whatever's going on. So I love that so much. Garth, oh, go on. I only wish that I had started this practice with Emma when she was younger. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until she was in college and really started to kind of have, you know, we'd consider to be like grown up problems or, or, or college struggles where I kept having to help her refocus on, okay, I know you've had a really bad day. Let's talk about what was good today. Well, and that's, what's so amazing about talking to Sonnet and Veronica and just seeing how, the transformation of the awareness of parents today versus 20 years ago, let's face it, you know, that shift is just a beautiful gift that they're giving to their kids now, because when you do the work on yourself, it's only going to positively impact your kids. And like they said, I mean, our kids are watching and I don't care how old your kids are. My daughters are watching everything I do even today. How terrifying is that? It's a lot of pressure sometimes because you want to present yourself in the best possible way, but also we're all human and we're doing the best we can and we're trapped in the house. Right. We had Sasha Sagan, uh, Carl Sagan and Andrew Ann's daughter on our podcast recently, and she talked about being okay with the not knowing and talking to your kids about that. Like, this is what I understand from this topic and this is what I don't understand and having that be okay for as an answer. So you're not always having to have the answer for your children because you don't, the reality is that you don't know everything and then having them be okay with the not knowing of things. Yeah. And, you know, also admitting when you're wrong. I mean, when this whole COVID things first hit, I mean, I admit I was really, I was shook. It really rocked my world and I was anxious and I can look back now and think, okay, maybe I could have handled that a little bit better. And I can have that conversation with my daughters and I could say, you know what? I did the best that I could at that time, but I recognize that maybe I could have handled it a little bit better. And now I know because, you know, at the end of the day, we're all literally dealing with so many different things coming in all the time. And we are just doing the best we can. So we have to show ourselves a lot of grace. Right. And even also being open to some of their feedback and some of their advice on how you maybe could have handled better because who knows us better than ourselves is our kids. They've been studying us since they're, <laughs> since they were born. So if they just said like, well, mom, I see that you like to, I see that you're mo- most relaxed after a cup of tea. So why don't you have a cup of tea? And then you're like, oh my God, I should totally have a cup of tea when I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's so true. I never really even thought about that, but I love the way you said that, that our kids have been studying us since the day they were born. And that is, that is so true. And something really ter- terrifying to think about <laughs> all, of the, all at the same time. Well, like, yeah, you know, like it, if you just reframe it to think like, just give them some space to be our teachers too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, Dara, that's one of the reasons why both you and I really, really aggressively went after our health crisis. Um, because we had daughters that 
we wanted to we wanted them to emulate what we were struggling with when they had struggles and and i'll be honest like um you know going through four and a half years of daily chemotherapy i would have never done that without a daughter i would have not put myself through that because it was too hard but knowing that at some point in time in her life she's going to come up against an insurmountable barrier I want her to look back on what I did to say, okay, my dad figured out how to make it work. Let me not give up as well. Thankfully, I was able to look at myself through her eyes. Otherwise, I, I would absolutely not be here today. I, I guarantee it. Wow. That's so powerful. It, it really is powerful. And I know you well enough to know that there were probably days when you were having a really hard time and you were thinking, I'm doing this for Emma because she's watching me. And oh, yeah. I can promise you that she will never forget that. And not only have you inspired your daughter, but you've inspired people all over the world. So I love that so much. Garth, do you yeah, have a napkin it, note for us today? I do have a napkin note. I, I actually, I picked this early on in our conversation and I'm happy that I wrote this back in 2016. So I wrote this note Again, for those of you who are new to the Thrive Podcast or our guests, I've been writing notes and sticking them in my daughter's lunch ever since she was in kindergarten. And when I was diagnosed with cancer for my third time, Emma was in eighth grade, and I freaked out and wrote out all of the notes that I needed to from then until high school graduation, just in case I died. And mm -hmm. Emma is now a, she's a, a rising junior in college. She goes back to school in about two weeks, and mm -hmm. I will send her with three months worth of notes because she'll be kind of self-quarantined on campus and we won't get to see her. So I still do this for my 20 year old daughter. That's um, amazing. It's been a blessing for both of us because sometimes I write the notes and it's really me who needs the message. Aww. And so this note I wrote when Emma was probably about 16 and it says, dear Emma, today you is not the same as future. You do one thing this week for the future. You, love dad. I love that. And that's similar to what I think Veronica said earlier. I think it was Veronica when she said, when she talks to herself, she tries to think about like what her future self would say. So, right. oh, I love that so that's much. That's amazing. Yeah, that really is. We always ask our guests to share their favorite thriving tip, a little nugget of extra goodness that they like to bring into their daily life to help themselves really show up and be the best version of themselves. We would love for either for one of you or both of you to share your favorite thriving tip with us. Well, I think that a thriving tip is just accepting where you are, uh, because when you accept where you are, you are standing in truth, right? And when you have the truth in front of you, then it's easier to find the next right thing to do. Oh, Veronica, I love that. I, love that. Can you, I, I mean, that is so powerful. That's actually one of my favorite yeah. thriving tips that anyone has ever said. Oh, yay. <laughs> you, yeah. You accept where you are. You're standing in your truth. Ooh, I love that. I'm going to dovetail off of that because, believe it or not, I was I'm in writing this down, actually. I mean, that's how uh, much I love that, Veronica. That's oh, awesome, yay. Dara. Make, make sure that's part of the show notes. Yeah. Well, so I was in church probably five years ago, maybe six years ago. And, and I'll be honest, I don't always pay very close attention to the sermon. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But this was a visiting priest, and 
he said something that was so powerful that I actually pulled a pen out of my pocket and I wrote it down on my hand because I thought, oh my goodness, this is exactly a statement that I want to understand and kind of internalize. If you take what Veronica just said and add this to it too, which is even if where you are is a good place to be, it is not a good place to stay. Wow. Right. Mine. And, yeah. <laughs> right. So to accept where you are, recognize where you are and, 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 and keep growing and, and keep growing. Right. And I think so many of us are in places where we don't even want to accept where we are. And so we're not able to change and grow and get out of that place. And whether it's a great place or a bad place. And so, Veronica, I can't thank you enough for saying that, because that really I think that our listeners are going to greatly appreciate that sentiment. Yeah, you rocked the thriving tip today, Veronica. Yay. Yeah, thank so much. We are so happy to introduce our listeners to Sonnet Simmons and Veronica Freeling. They are hosts of the Not Your Mother's podcast. Check it out. All their links on social media, of course, will be in the show notes, as well as a link to their online mommy and toddler educational trainings, Discipline Without Yelling. Thank you, Veronica and Sana, so much for being here today. Thank you, you for having what? us. You're welcome. I, I have to say, um, and we don't say this to all of our guests, we would love to have you back. It's been such an honor to have you here. Um, it's been a fantastic it's discussion. It's been really fun. Yeah. So I good. would love, yeah, we would love that. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.